It wasn't man that made the statement. It wasn't church that made the statement. It wasn't religion that made the statement. It was Jesus that made the statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven. No one sees the Father except by me. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Last week we talked about this longing that we have inside and the guilt that we struggle with every day of our lives and the fear that consumes us because we know there's more to life than living and dying. And so today I want to ask, answer the question, what? will heaven be like? Next week, I'm actually going to get into what the Bible describes in heaven. What are we going to be doing there? You think we're going to float around on clouds playing harps? Better get some guitar lessons now. No, no, no. No, it's going to be an amazing place. But right now, everyone knows there's more to living than dying. I want to just make this statement. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're wrong about heaven, you're going to be wrong a long, long time. You're going to be wrong a long, long time. But if you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to spend a long, long time in a place called heaven. So I think it would be good that we get to know this place even before we get there and help us understand why we're looking for it. First Chronicles chapter 29, look what it says here. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, we're here for only a moment. Would you read that line with me? We're here for only a moment. The Scripture goes on to say, our days on earth are like the passing shadow, gone as soon as that shadow is gone without a trace. But God did something at the beginning of time, and we find it recorded in Ecclesiastes by a man named Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, a man that walked through this earth trying to taste every aspect of pleasure, of life, of living, of all the things, and he came to the end of Ecclesiastes, and you can see it in the 12th chapter. He said, there's only one thing I realize that's worth doing, and that's loving God and doing what he said to do. When it's all said and done, there's nothing more important. But look what it says here in Ecclesiastes. God has made everything beautiful in his time. 
he planted eternity in the human heart. This is why we know there's more to life than living and dying. But look what it says in the next line. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. I've shared this with people. Isaiah chapter 46 is very clear in understanding that before God made the beginning, he made the end. This is how God can be fair. Then people can't sit here, well, God, it just wasn't fair. They had more than I had. They had this. God said, no, no, no. I made the end before I made the beginning. That's what it says in Isaiah 46. tells us very clearly that he set everything in place. But we have a hard time understanding the end because our hearts haven't even been set in the beginning. Can I tell you something? If you do not believe Genesis 1-1, you might as well close the book and go home. It says, in the beginning, God. If you can't get a grasp on Genesis 1-1, the rest of the book doesn't matter. We can't grasp the beginning, which causes us to have a fear of the end. God, in your notes, put eternity in our hearts. You know why? That we would never fully be deceived into believing this life is really all there is. That's why all of us have this insatiable desire inside of us. But then as you become a child of God, look what it says in Colossians chapter 2, or chapter 3. It says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You have died to this life. And look what it says. Your real life is hidden in that relationship you have with Christ. It's not in the here and now. It's in the then and there. It's not in the what was. Can I tell you something? Before was, was, God was. It's not in the end. It's in the beginning. And God said, that is where your life is hidden. From the foundation of the world, the Bible says Jesus was the lamb crucified that you and I could have eternity. See, Paul has given some great insight into how to live a victorious Christian life. And you know what that insight is? It's in your notes and it's on the screen. Constantly keep seeking and thinking about heaven. Constantly keep looking towards the place that God has told us that we have. You see, for the Christian, Warren Worsby said, heaven is not simply a destination. Heaven is our motivation. It's not a passing whim. It's not just a, a fanciful uh, thought. It is as real as the earth that we live in. Can I hear you say amen? amen? Job 19 said it this way. Look at this. After my skin is destroyed, he said, after I die, look what it says, I know this, in my flesh I will see God. What is Job? Job 19, the oldest book in the Bible. The Bible's not chronologically correct. Okay, Genesis wasn't the first book written. Job was the first book written. Job, who did not know about Corinthians and did not know about Thessalonians and did not know about Malachi and did not know about Isaiah and did not know about all these other future books. He said, I know one thing. In my flesh, I'm going to see God. He understood 
that life was more than living and dying. And that one day he's going to have a new body. And he's going to stand in God's presence forever. Can somebody say amen? All that we were created for will be found in heaven. You know why? Because God is what we're really longing for. That relationship that God birthed in us. It says that Jesus was the firstborn of many family, many brethren. His presence brings satisfaction. His absence is what causes the thirst and the longing. How many here ever made a mistake and felt horrible because of it? You know why? Because the Bible says that that right there is causing you to separate from God. When Jesus hung at Calvary, and many of you have heard this said over the years, he, he made this statement, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Most theologians, most scholars, uh, myself included, in studying this, came to an understanding that that was the literal first time in all of eternity that the Father and the Son were separated. Jesus had to step out of the Father's presence. The Bible says it this way in the book of Hebrews, that he could taste death for everyone. What is death? Eternal separation. He stepped out of the Father's presence, not because he wanted to be gone from God, but because he loved you and I so much. Hebrews tells us this way, that he, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, not thinking anything about it, because he knew there was a greater reward. And that reward's sitting February 7th, 2016 at Victorious Life Christian Center and other churches around the world proclaiming the name of Jesus. Jesus said, Dad, that's why I'm willing to do it. He was separated from the Father for the first time, and he understood what it meant to be forsaken. Our longing for heaven is literally a longing for God. So why heaven? Because heaven is where God dwells. Yes, God's everywhere, but his throne is in heaven. The 139th Psalm records it this way. God, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I descend into heaven or ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. You're everywhere, God. But God's presence abides in heaven. Exodus 33, Moses, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was taken up into the Mount Sinai, and he was there. And he said, God, I want to see your face. And look what God's response. He said, God, please show me your glory. We just sang about it this morning. Open up the heavens. God, show me your glory. Look what the Father responded to him. He said, I will let my goodness pass before you. We know this, we, the passage. We, we've read it many times. We've watched the, the, the movie, The Ten Commandments. The Bible says that God hid Moses in the crag of the wall and he passed by and Moses was able to look to see the hinder sides of God. He could see the glory. He could sense the glory. And the Bible says that afterwards his face shone with brilliance. Why? Because he had been in the presence of God. But look what it says here. But you cannot see my face and live. But on that day, we'll see him. We'll see him. God we will see. And can I tell you something that's going to happen? When you see God, it'll like be seeing everything for the first time.
it'll, like, it, it'll be like you've seen everything for the first time. Why? He will be the lens of eternity. Hmm. We long for heaven. It's a place here on earth that nothing can fill. But next week, I'm going to tell you as we go through the scriptures and describe this place, because there's actually a lot that will be going on in heaven. That if you know Jesus, the only way to heaven, by the way, it wasn't man that made the statement. It wasn't church that made the statement. It wasn't religion that made the statement. It was Jesus that made the statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven. No one sees the Father except by me. Oh, there's lots of ways. Heaven's a long time to be wrong. Eternity. Jesus said there's one way. Are you with me this morning? You see, we're really longing for God himself. And eternity is what we were made for. Look at Hebrews 11. The Bible talks about Abraham, talks about countless others before. They were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. This is why God was not ashamed to be called their God and prepared a city for them. Listen to me, church. This is why God is telling you and I, we need to be looking for him. Our hearts need to be focused on heaven. Our thoughts need to be focused on what is to come, not what has already been, because it is in there where God says, if you're looking for me, I promise you, I'm coming to look for you. Jeremiah said that those that look for God with all their heart will find them. Heaven is a real place that is so amazing, human terms cannot adequately even describe it. Jesus told the thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23, today you'll be with me in paradise. Paradise literally translated means the garden of a king. The imagery that Jesus used was so potent to somebody living on the earth at that time it gave them the privilege that they understood we're going to go into this majestic walled garden protected place that only the king and his subjects could enter. Every facet of their being would be overwhelmed with the fragrance and the beauty of it all. This is what Jesus gave the imagery when he talked about on to that thief on the cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Can I tell you something about heaven? It will be better than anything you could ever imagine. In a moment, I'm going to have Bob play a video he put together of a very familiar song, I Can Only Imagine. I should have told you, Bob, I was going to do the beginning, but... It felt better to do it towards there. I try to keep everybody involved in what we're doing. Sometimes I just kind of... First Corinthians. If you look at it on the screen, that's wonderful, but do something for me. Open your Bible right now. First Corinthians. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Acts... And 1 Corinthians. What? Oh, Acts, Romans. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Acts, Romans. 
John Acts Romans. It's interesting. John Acts and Romans is the cookie of life, I call it. People ask me, Pastor, where do I start reading the Bible? I always tell them the book of John. It tells you the most about Jesus. Then go to the book of Romans. It tells you the most about you. Then go to the book of Acts right in the middle. It tells you the most about what we're going to do when we give our life to him. The cookie of life. You're going to enjoy Wednesday night when I teach you how I study the word of God. It's actually pretty fun. Some of you know me, you say, oh, yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Look what it says. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind can even imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. You say, Pastor, why would you make us open the Bible? I want you to look at that passage. I want you to highlight that passage. I want you to underline that passage because I want you to focus your life. Okay, God, you got something prepared. I, I can't even begin to imagine, but I know it's got to be so awesome, so great, so unimaginable that you put this longing inside of me. This is why he told us to constantly think of the world to come. Heaven is as real place as this earth is that we're on. So what I want to do quickly is I want to take you through some descriptive parts of heaven. First, understand the scripture. When the scripture talks about heaven, it's talking about three different heavens. It could be talking about the first heaven, which is the atmosphere just above the earth, the clouds, the air, where the birds fly in Genesis 2, where the rain falls from in Acts 14. And there's countless scriptures I could have used, but just a couple of those. That's the first heaven. It's the place between us and space. Then we have the second heaven that the Word of God talks about, which is the stellar or the, or the, uh, the, the stratosphere around the heaven between earth and space. The Bible gives us the idea that that is where the heavenly hosts are active. When the wars are going on in heaven, it talks about the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness of this world in heavenly places. <coughs> They're not in the first heaven because we could actually uh, probably get visual ideas. Now, they come down, and it's amazing if you look around the world today, there are more angelic, uh, they seemingly to be angelic uh, 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 apparitions showing up, if you will. But they believe biblically that most of the activity, the battles, the warfare that's going on is happening in the second heaven. There was actually a true story that happened back uh, during the Sputnik times. I think it was Sputnik or one of the Russian uh, times of going into space where the astronauts actually saw angels in the heaven. And you can go out to Google it and, and read it yourself. Uh, you say, well, Pastor, how do you know it's true? The Russians don't even believe in God. Why would they be talking about angels? Most of the Russians. We have a Russian here. Where are you at, Anya? There she is back there. From Siberia, correct? She's in school here, and, and she, uh, she's been coming to Victoria's Life uh, about two years, except when she's back in Siberia. She's a Russian that believes in Jesus. But most of them don't, so why would they be talking about angels? So that's the second heaven. 
The Bible says that the sun and the moon and the planets and the celestial bodies move across this heaven. You can find that in Psalm 19. You can find the book of Job. You can find it in Ezekiel. Finally, there's a third heaven, which we find is the throne room of God. This is the place where paradise is located. Once again, a couple places you can see is 1 Kings 8, uh, 27, and, and that, that passage in there. Uh, you can go, anyway, lots of different scriptures. Just for sake of time, I didn't put them all down. But there is a place called paradise. And this, the Bible teaches, is where all of those that have died up till this point are at. You say, well, pastor, why aren't they just in heaven? Because God said there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. That doesn't happen yet. For the old things, the former things are passed away. and Behold, all things become new. We find this in Revelation 21. But look at John 14. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust in me also. There's more than enough room in my Father's house. Some translations say in my Father's house there's many mansions. There's plenty of room. If it were not so, I would have told you. But he said, listen to this, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And look at the last line. In your notes, I want you to underline this. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. Folks, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation wasn't focused on his coming. It was focused on his returning. I'm coming for you that you can be with me. Mm. Is anybody in here getting excited about this at all? I've got a lot of scripture that I want to read, and I know I've got a short amount of time, but I want you to bear with me. And while you're there, take your fingers and put them in Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Right now I'm going to read Philippians 3. These are all on the screen. Revelation 21 is not going to be on the screen. Philippians 3, look at Paul. He said, I want to know him. Oh, guys, gals, this has been my prayer for so long. God, I just want to know you, Jesus. I just want to, I want to know you. I want to have this intimacy with you. And you say, Pastor, man, if you're, if you're not that close to him, then what hope do I? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a longing that all of us have. The reason that some can talk about it more, more uh, fluidly and more uh, vibrantly than maybe somebody else is not a matter that they're closer to God than you. It's just they have made a decision in their life. I, I want to do something. I want to I I see him. I want to know him. I want to be with him. I've shared this many, many times. Folks, if the Lord took me right now, I'd be a happy camper. My wife might be an unhappy camper. I say might. I don't know, maybe. But I'd love to be home right now. Not because, I, you know, I'm not morbid. I'm not thinking. I don't have a death wish. But, folks, I want to be with him. Yeah. said, I want to have the same power in my life that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to understand and have a share in his sufferings and be like Christ in his death. Then I may be raised up from among the dead. I do not say that I've already received this and become perfect, but I keep going on to make that life my own as Christ made me his own. No, Christian brothers, I do not have that life yet. Think about that. This is Paul talking. The apostle, 
somebody that you think was closer to God than anybody. He said, I don't have this life yet. But he said, this one thing I do. This one thing. Put your finger up. One thing. Just say one thing. I forget everything that's behind, and I keep looking forward. My eyes are on the crown. I want to win this race. God's call from heaven. And look what it says here. All who are full-grown Christians, who are mature Christians, should think this way also. I'm reading on the New Living Version. I use different translations. They're all based, I try to get it out of the Hebrew and the Greek, not because I'm a Hebrew and Greek scholar. It's just I understand how to study the Bible. I use Greek and Hebrew lexicons. I use the uh, Strong's Concordances. I use the different interlinear Bibles to help me understand that I am preaching what the Word of God is saying. If you do not think this way, look what it says. God will show you. So let us keep on obeying the same truth. Let us keep on obeying the same truth. Let us keep on obeying the same truth. They say if you say it three times, it clicks. I wonder if that's why when God called Abraham, he would say, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Moses, Moses, Moses. I never heard him call women three times that way, so I think it's got to be a guy thing. He said, but listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. Live your lives as I have lived mine. Watch those who live as I have taught you to live. For there are many whose lives show that they hate the cross. Folks, Jesus made the very profound statement. He said, there's many that love me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. You can call yourself a Christian all day long, but if other people aren't calling you a Christian, we have a problem. Christian isn't a closet. And you come out of the closet on Sunday at the church, praise the Lord. Now, Christian is everyday living. He said that their lives show that they hate the cross of Christ. I've told you this before, and now I tell you again, even with tears in, their, in my eyes, their God is their stomach. In other words, they want to consume upon themselves everything they can in this life. It's all about what they can do, what blesses them, what brings them pleasure. They take pride in the things that should they should be ashamed of. All they think about, look at your scripture, are the things of this world, and in the end, they will be destroyed. But look what it says about us. But we, we're citizens of heaven. Christ, the one who saves from the punishment of sin, will be coming down from heaven again, and we are waiting for his return. For a new heaven, a new earth. The Bible talks a lot about heaven, and Jesus is preparing this place for us. We just read in John 14. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's not on the screen, but it's in your notes, we are going to spend forever, eternity with him. Heaven is a real place. So what's it going to be like? How do I get there? Though as vivid as the scriptures are, we still don't know everything. Why? Because as we've seen already, eye has not seen, ear heard, 
nor is it in the heart of a man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But we do know that there is no stairway to heaven. I just wanted to clear that real quick. There is no escalators. It was an interesting song, but wasn't scriptural. So I want to talk a little bit about what the Bible talks about in heaven. Look at this. The Bible says there's windows in heaven. Those windows were places that God used to pour out blessings and to pour out cursings. And I've just put a couple of them. Matthew or Malachi 3 says that when you tithe and you bring all of your tithe into the storehouse, he said, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. So much so there's not even room to receive it. But he also says in 1 Kings chapter 8, when the heavens are shut up, when those windows are shut up, there would be no rain because people sin. God opens the windows to pour out blessings, closes the windows when people rebel against him. The Bible says there's doors in heaven. Revelation chapter 4, and you can note this last time, it is the last place in the Bible that the church is mentioned. Revelation 4, chapter 1. The next time you hear about the church is Revelation 21. Do you know what you have between Revelation 6 and Revelation 20? The tribulation. Revelation 4 is the last place you hear about heaven. In Revelation uh, 4 and 5, God has given John a tour. Revelation 6, Jesus opens the seals. You go on and you look through these things. The Bible talks about a door in heaven. The Bible talks about a throne in heaven. And we find this in Revelation 4 as part of the tour that John was taken on. We also see it in Revelation 21 and 22. When the church is brought back and we have a new heaven, a new earth, a a new Jerusalem coming down. Psalm chapter 11, verse 4, look what it says here. The Lord, it is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. It says this is where the 24 elders that are clothed with glistening white garments and pure gold crowns are. The 24 elders, 12 represent the New Testament uh, apostles, 12 represent the 12 tribes of Israel. The 24 elders. The Bible says in the throne room is the tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. Its leaves are now for the healing of the nations. It says that river flows out of under the throne. The streets are pure, transparent gold. John did his very best to describe the city, this place called heaven. Look what he says. There's 12 gates of pearl, three on the north, the south, the east, three on the west. Twelve angels stood to guard these 12 gates. Let me give you a little bit of a description. The walls are every imaginable jewel known. The streets pure gold. The gates are pearl. Mere words can only confuse the magnificence because heaven is too wonderful for words. The Bible uses many descriptions, though. The Bible calls it a garden. The Bible calls it a place of rest. The Bible calls it a place of many rooms, a kingdom, a heavenly country, a place filled with joy. But every one is something we have longed for and desired our lives and built our futures on. All descriptions communicate the truth that heaven is a place where all will have an intimate relationship with God that we have longed for for all eternity. 
Paul the Apostle gave us a little glimpse in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, I was caught up into the third heaven. Remember the three heavens? First heaven is the atmosphere around the earth. Second heaven is the stratosphere, the, the space we call it, the stellar heaven. The third heaven, he said, I was caught up in to God's throne room. Fourteen years ago, fourteen years ago was what he's talking about when he was on a place on the road to Damascus. And the Bible says he was hit with a blinding light and he came to know Christ. But he was caught up into heaven, into the third heaven. He said, in my body, I don't know. It might have been out of my body. God knows. All I know is I was there. I don't know what happened, but I was caught up into paradise. And he said, I heard things so astounding. I can't even express them. I has not seen. 1 Corinthians 2. Remember I told you to mark that? Eye is not seen. Ear is not heard. No mind can even imagine what God has prepared for those that love him. 1 Peter 1 says that he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to this. And an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven. How many are getting a little bit excited about this place? What will heaven be like? I read a story. It's kind of humorous. We just re read a description that the streets are pure gold. and There was an elderly man that loved the Lord dearly, and he had such an intimate relationship with God on his deathbed, he negotiated with God that he brings some of his earthly treasures to heaven with him. And God began to tell him, say, God, understand, hey, I got stuff here you don't, you don't even imagine. God's trying to explain this to him, and, and the guy wouldn't, wouldn't give up. So God said, okay, fine. So he said, you can bring a suitcase with you. So the old fellow was at the pearly gates, and he, he had a suitcase in his hand. Actually, it was in both hands because it was so heavy. And he stood there, and St. Peter was preparing to usher him in, and he said, but sorry, you know the rules. You can't take it with you. But the man protested, but God said, <coughs> I could do this. And so Peter did some fact-checking, and God said, yeah, yeah, I let, him, I let him bring it. So Peter said, okay, fine, but I have to examine it. You know, just like you've been to the airport, you've got to go through these gates. So Peter opens the bag up, and he examines it, and he sees bars of gold. He said, you could have brought anything, and you brought pavement. <laughs> you know what's going to make heaven so incredible? Jesus is going to be there. Jesus is going to be there. I think that's what's going to make heaven heaven. And can I tell you something? Because he's there, a lot of things aren't going to be there. One of the things that I've called heaven over the years and other people, they call heaven the place of no more. Say, Pastor, what do you mean? There'll be no more tears, no sorrow, no more death, crying or pain, no more night, no more curse, 
No more hunger, no more thirst. No more hundreds of things that we deal with right now. I told you to take your Bible and put your finger there. And I know I'm taking a little bit more time this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Please, if you would not mind, just allow me. I want to read this out of the Bible for you. I didn't write it in my notes because I wanted to read it. I didn't write it in your notes because I didn't want you to read it on a screen. I want you to open your Bible to Revelation 21. It's going to be a little bit of a lengthy read, but I'm going to give you a little description of heaven. Now I'm reading out of the New International Version. The Lord is talking to John. And Jesus said these words as you start at the end of the ninth verse. He said, come, I will show you the bride. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of very precious jewels like jasper clear crystal a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at those gates and on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel there were three gates on the east three gates on the north three gates on the south three gates on the west and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the lamb that's the 24 elders. Say, Pastor, why are you having us read this? I want you to read about your future home. And I want you to know where to find it. Okay? Let's go on here. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. And it measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, as wide and high as it is long. He measured the wall's thickness to be 144 cubits. A cubit is basically the length of a forefinger to an elbow. The 12,000 uh, uh, stadia is approximately 1,500 miles. So this city will be 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles deep. And the walls will be 144 cubits, and I should have given you that figure, but I didn't. It might be in one of your Bibles. They changed it to English. By man's measurements, which the angel was using, the wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city of the walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, uh, 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 that word, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, uh, carnelian, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, uh, chrysophrase, the eleventh, uh, janseth, the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each made from a single pearl. That was an oyster working very long. Each gate made from a single pearl. The great street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. 
I did not see a temple. Listen to this. Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are going to be the temple. We're not going to have to go to a place. We are in the place. Can somebody say amen? The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is the lamp. I was reading a story one time about Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God and then he was not because the Lord took him. And the, you know, the story goes on to say that God was taught walking with Enoch arm in arm. And God told Enoch, he said, oh, Enoch, you're closer to my house than, than you are to yours. Why don't you come spend the day with me? Can I tell you, he's been spending the day for a long time because there is no night in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will it be will the gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations he brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. The only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is talking about the millennial reign when there will be a new Jerusalem on earth. And the Bible says you and I will have access to it, but no one that is outside of Christ. You say, well, pastor, the rapture's happened, everything's over. How, how is there anything that happened? Because people will live through the tribulation period. And there will be a thousand years that Jesus will rule and reign on this earth. The new Jerusalem will be here. And there will be no night, there will be no dark. Everything will continue on, but he will be the center of it all. On this earth. On this earth. I'm giving you a little picture next week. On this earth, I'm going to show you how much heaven is going to be like earth. It's going to excite some of you, except there's going to be no limitations. I feel a little, a little realm of excitement weaving through the folks here. Let's go on here. The river of life, verse 22, chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river and the water of life, the crystal clear flowing from the throne of God of the, and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street to the city. And each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding as fruit every month. The leaves and the trees are for the healings of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne and the God, and of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants and his servants will serve him. We will be doing things in heaven. We will be doing things in heaven. They will see his face and his name will be written in their foreheads. There will be no more night, no need for a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign there forever and forever. These words are trustworthy and true. Bob, if you'd start that video, play it softly.
when I walk by your side I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Or will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine I can only day comes and I find myself standing in the sun I can only imagine when all I will do is forever forever worship you I can only imagine I can only imagine To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all, I can only I can only imagine When all I would do Is forever Forever worship you
I can only imagine